there's a, there's a story in the Gospels about a blind man who would sit by the side of the road. And imagine this with me, would you? His name was Bartimaeus, and he would sit on the side of the road, blind, begging. We don't know how long he's been blind, but the fact that he was begging and that this seemed to be his spot, maybe he'd been blind since birth. He was outside the town, and that's when he first heard that Jesus was around. Outside the town is probably where all of the beggars sat because maybe they weren't allowed to be in. Maybe they were used to being outsiders. Maybe these were people who were used to others sort of pushing them away, rejecting them, telling them their life didn't mean much, telling them that they were a nuisance, that they were in the way, that they were worthless. And so these guys aren't in the center of town. They're outside the city. And Bartimaeus is sitting one day. But there's no way, our best guess, there's no way if we were to imagine this, that he's the only beggar there. Likely this was a spot where lots of other beggars were, maybe lots of other blind beggars. But the reason we know this story is because Bartimaeus decided not to just sit by the side of the road. Bartimaeus decided that he was going to cry out, that he was going to call out. Maybe he'd heard the stories. Maybe he, he was used to the crowds walking by him, and he had heard this rumble about this man named Jesus. And maybe Bartimaeus said, wait a minute, it sounds like him. Well, if it is him... There's no way I'm staying by the side of the road. There's no way I'm staying quiet. There's no way I'm keeping to myself. I've got to cry out. Desperation, the first question I want to ask you this afternoon is, will you stay sitting at the side of the road? Will you stay sitting on the, by the side of the road? You know, when you think about a conference like this, it's clear that There's one thing that desperation is about. Desperation is about Jesus. Desperation is about calling out on Jesus, seeking him, crying out for him, calling on his name. But sometimes in a place like this, it can feel like you're sitting by the side of the road. Like you're the only one maybe in this crowd and everybody is calling his name. It's like Bartimaeus' situation in reverse where everybody else is crying out, but you're here and you're kind of thinking, I, I don't know. I mean, what is this? I mean, who is this Jesus? And well, what's all the fuss about? And, and isn't it okay if I'm just sort of a good kid and I do good things and I go to church and I show up to you? I mean, isn't it enough? I mean, why really do I need to cry out? Can't somebody else do that? My wife and I coming up on, are coming up on 11 years of being married. And... Um, Praise the Lord. And um, just about three weeks ago, we had our fourth child. And um, yes, thank God for that. You can cheer for that too. That's great. So out of our four children, we have three, three girls and one boy. And uh, two and a half years ago or so, when we had our son, and we named him Jonas. Some people say it's nice of you to give your girls their very own Jonas brother. We said that's not why we did it. But it... But when we had our son, my friends, who are all sitting here in this front row, were, came to me a little bit concerned. I said, Glenn, you're going to have a son. I said, I know, isn't that great? So, well, we're a little bit worried about this. So, why? Said, because who's going to teach him how to do guy stuff? So, what do you mean? 
I go, Glenn. I mean, Aaron, you know, Pastor Aaron Stern is here, and, and he's one of my really good friends. And he said, Glenn, you, you call me to fix anything that's broken in your house. I said, I do not, but I do need you to hang some curtains this weekend if you're free. No. He said, Glenn, how, how are you going to teach your son to, you know, be, do guy stuff and fix stuff? And I said, well, I said, look, man, it's simple. I'll say, son, this is the phone book. You look for what you need and you call it. And there's no job that's too small to outsource. And sometimes I think this is how we live with God, is we think that there are people who are God experts, people who really know, people who really pray, people who really put in the time, and maybe if I just let them do this and then tell me about it, it'll be good enough. Maybe if I let them cry out for Jesus, I can stay on the side of the road and I can be quiet. I can just sort of chill. I can be, it's, it's fine. I'm cool. I really don't need that much. And so what happens to us is we sort of get a little comfortable and we allow someone else to tell us about Jesus, to tell us about God and what he's like and what it means to follow him. It's good enough for them to be doing it. We don't need to be the ones actually doing it. The trouble is what begins to happen is you have a knowledge of Jesus that really is secondhand. I've been on this journey of, of discovering the way my, even my own faith has been secondhand. And I wrote this book called Secondhand Jesus a few years ago. Out of this journey, I am still on this journey of learning. Wait a minute, what are the things that I sort of patched together because I heard someone else say it? And what are the things that I really know about who this Jesus is? In Colorado, there are a lot of wonderful hiking trails I've been on about three of them. Uh, I like looking at the outdoors. Um, but but I, I imagine the, the foolishness of going up to the very trailhead and looking at the map and kind of saying, okay, wait a minute, let's see this map, you know, kind of does this loop. And you kind of study the map and you know all about the trail. And you're like, I think I know. I can imagine that this is a good hike. And you stand there so long that there's hikers who are coming off the trail. And as they come off the trail, you, you stand there and you're like, hey, how was it? It's like, oh, it's amazing. I mean, I'm telling you, listen, the first mile is a bit steep, but then the second mile you kind of go down into this place and there's a waterfall that flows into this little stream and then you come up in the final last mile. I mean, it's just it's gorgeous. And you stand there long enough, you hear the stories and you hear the stories and you, hear, and you think, oh, this is amazing. And you know the stories so well. And you've stood there so long that then new hikers are coming to begin the trail. And you say, hey, hey, are you guys, are you about to do this, this hike? And they're like, yeah, yeah, is it good? Like, oh man, let me tell you, it's 3.2 miles long. The first mile's a little steep. The second mile descends into this place where there's a waterfall and a stream. And then the last mile and 1.2 miles, it's really, it's amazing, you're going to love it. Like, wow, you know a lot about this hike. Did, did you just do it? No, I, I, um, I've never been on it, but I've heard. How do you think that goes over when we want to tell people about Jesus, but all we know about him is what we've heard? How does it go over when we're trying to say to our friends, 
Join me on this. Let's follow Jesus together. This is the adventure. This is the stuff. This is how we live our life. And they're saying, okay, well, what's this Jesus like? And what does it look like to follow Jesus? And you're saying, I don't really know, but my youth pastor can tell you. Friends, the first challenge for us this afternoon is are you going to stay on the side of the road? Or are you going to cry out for Jesus? Bartimaeus was a person who was used to pain, used to rejection, used to this blindness that kept him on the outside. And maybe in a very real way, for all of us, the pain that you deal with in life, you've got a choice with that. You've got a choice with how, how, what what do you do with this? Maybe you say, Glenn, you know what? I've done the following Jesus thing, but it it, it didn't work out so good. My parents still got the divorce. My friends still gossiped about me. This happened, this happened, this happened. I, I, I don't know. I think I just need to stay on the side of the road. But you know, when pain hits your life, You have this choice. You can get quiet, get silent, get cynical, get bitter. I I don't know. Or you can begin to cry out for real. You can really begin to say, wait, no, no, Jesus. Job was a person just like this. All the stuff, sort of the worst stuff imaginable happens to Job. It's how the story unfolds. I love the message translation of kind of the end of the book of Job. Because Job has all these questions for God. God, how come? And what about this? And God decides to respond. And God responds with a few questions of his own. And God says, well, Job, okay. Where were you when I told the oceans Thus far and no more. Where were you when I placed the stars? Job? It's God using a little sarcasm. Job responds this way. He says, I admit I once lived by rumors of you, but now I have it all firsthand. From my own eyes and ears, I'm sorry, forgive me. I'll never do that again. I promise I'll never again live on crusts of hearsay, crumbs of rumor. Is that you? Your knowledge of Jesus is just sort of, yeah, I mean, I've heard this and these, my friends do this and my youth pastor does this, but I, me, I... Will you stay sitting on the side of the road or will you cry out? Will you stay silent and afraid and alone and hurt and angry and bitter and shrinking into a smaller and smaller story? Or will you cry out? For Jesus. Social media is a kind of a fun thing. I'm on Twitter. You can follow me at G Pacium P G P A. You can see it in your books too. It's good. Get some followers today. But Twitter, Twitter is a funny thing. Facebook's an even funnier thing. We'll, we'll leave that alone. It's, Twitter is funny because it's like we used to call people who knew everything about your life stalkers. And now we call them followers. But the illusion about Twitter is you can follow a person and not really know them. 
I follow a lot of my friends, and so, you know, now it's kind of awkward because when I see someone that I haven't seen in a while at a conference or something, hey, man, I don't say, what you been up to? I say, so how was that trip? The pictures looked great. <laughs> so I hear that you had steak for dinner last night. <laughs> Where did you get that? I, I don't need to know about you. I, I know everything about you. Mwah. And yet, there are people that I follow on Twitter that I don't actually know. I follow John Elway on Twitter. Yeah. I follow Tim Tebow on Twitter. There we go. There we go. That's the money. I don't know anything. I, I, actually, I should say this. I know lots about Tim Tebow. But I don't know him. I know... What he tweets before games. I know those Bible verses. I know, you know, that he was at the SBs last night. You can, on Twitter, you can follow someone without actually knowing them. But that's not true about Jesus, is it? That you can't follow Jesus by just knowing what he's up to. I hear Jesus is healing people. Yeah? Where were you in that? Oh, I, I mean, I was at the side of the road, but I heard... I hear that Jesus is in the business of restoring and rescuing people out of addictions. Yeah, that's true, but where were you? I was at the side of the road, but I heard. See, Jesus, it doesn't quite work that way. The story kind of continues. So here's Bartimaeus. He's sitting at the side of the road and blind. and He hears the footsteps as he hears every day. He feels the dust kind of kicking up in his eyes and people talking, doing their stuff, living their life without him. But he keeps hearing this name, Jesus, Jesus, and the people are talking to this person and every time he speaks, the voices get quiet and his voices. And Bartimaeus gets the feeling that this is that Jesus, this is the one, this is the one that, that everybody's been talking about. And so he says, son of David, have mercy on me. And the voices get quiet and the footsteps stop. And then a gruff voice answers back, be quiet. Barnabas like, whoa. But I don't think that was Jesus' voice. I've got to give it, a, this might be my one shot. Son of David, he cried out even louder, have mercy on me. This time, all the footsteps stop. It's like the surrounding crowd is paying attention now. And then there's this voice, a very kind, gentle voice that says, call him. He hears footsteps. And this same gruff voice says, cheer up, he's calling you. Didn't you just tell me to shut up? Now you're saying cheer up? I mean, Okay, gets up slowly and kind of feels like the crowd has parted a little bit and he walks. And, and then this voice, the kind voice, says to him, What do you want me to do for you? Now, what a strange question to ask. It's like, Jesus, I mean, whoa, isn't it obvious? 
Why would you ask that, Jesus? I mean, is this, are you playing a game? Because it's not a very nice game. <laughs> Why ask him? All right, you say, Glenn, I'm not going to stay by the side of the road. I'm going to cry out. All right, what will you cry out for? Jesus wants to know, what is it? What is it you're going to cry out for? Why does this question matter? I think it matters because what you ask of God reveals what you believe about God. What you ask of God reveals what you believe about God. See, Bartimaeus, had, he didn't call him Jesus. He said, son of David. It's like, well, I, I mean, what is that, son of David? I mean, wasn't he like Joseph's son or son of God? I mean, what's the son of David stuff? For many, many years, the people of God had these poems and songs and prophecies that, and stories that they would tell to one another. And one of the best poets and prophets was Isaiah. And Isaiah would talk about the son of David, the root of Jesse, the one who would come. And son of David was a way of saying God's anointed one, the Messiah. And Jesus wants to know, Bartimaeus, you called me the Messiah. Ask me for something only Messiah can do. You called me the son of David? Let's see if you mean it. Do you really think I am the one? Don't forget, this is at the point in Jesus' ministry where it's not widespread that he's the Messiah, but Bartimaeus takes this leap of faith and he says, son of David. He might as well have said, anointed, chosen, deliverer. And Jesus wants to know, do you mean it? Then ask me for something that only the Messiah can do. See, Bartimaeus could have said, how about some bread? How about some water? How about a new cloak? How about dinner? How about a walk? How about this? How about, no, 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 no. One of Isaiah's poems said this. When the son of David comes, when the Messiah comes, the lame will walk and the blind will see and the hungry will be fed and the poor will be lifted up and Bartimaeus wants to know, is it you? And Jesus wants to know, Bartimaeus, do you really believe who I am? What you ask of God reveals what you believe about God. And I want to know, from your prayers, what would we say about your God from your prayers? If we took all your prayers and transcribed them and tried to sketch a little bit about the God that you believe in, what does he look like? Is your God a drug that makes you feel good? Is your God a boyfriend that makes you feel better about yourself? Is your God a little fix? Is your God the sugar daddy, candy man, grandpa Santa Claus who gives you everything you want? Is your God your errand boy? Who is this God? Or is Jesus the king? 
David was the one who defeated Goliath. David was the one who overcame the most insurmountable enemy that Israel had. And to call Jesus the son of David was to say, Jesus, there are giants in my life that only you can slay. There are enemies that only you can overcome. And Jesus wants to know from Bartimaeus, you called me Messiah. Now ask me for something only the king, the deliverer, the Messiah can do. But it also shows something else. What we ask of God also shows what we believe about ourselves. What you ask of God also reveals what you believe about yourself, you. So what do you mean? Well, what is it that you really need God for? What do we need God for? This seems like a funny question to ask, but we live in America in the 21st century where we've got a lot of our needs met. Probably the high majority of us have never sat on the side of the road begging for money or bread. So desperate? Why would I be desperate? I've got stuff. I've got a vacation. I've got the internet. What am I desperate for? What do you really need? See, Bartimaeus says to Jesus, he says, Teacher, I want to see. I want to see. Blindness was the root of all of Bartimaeus' problems, really. Right? If he wasn't blind, he wouldn't be sitting begging. And if he wasn't blind, he wouldn't have been outside the city. And if he wasn't blind, none of these other things would be needs. I think our challenge is to really dig deep about what you really need. What is it that you need? Jesus, do I just need this? Yeah, maybe I just, just, Lord, fix this. Just... Help my friend to not be me. Oh, I just, I just need... To. And I wonder sometimes if all of the things we're asking Jesus to fix and help is up here somewhere. And he's saying, come on, go deeper. Come on, what's at the root of this? And we're saying, Jesus, I, I, I would like to not look at pornography. And he's saying, look, go deeper than that. Say, Jesus, what I really need is to believe that you love me. Confess more deeply. See your own brokenness more deeply. It's not up here. It's not bread or money. Or is. It's much deeper than that. Probably all of you, us, if we were to sit down and say, well, what is it that you're, you're struggling with? What would you ask Jesus for? Say, well, I think I need help with this, and I think I need help with this. And, and we'd say, oh, okay, great, great, great. But go a little bit, one step, two steps, three steps deeper than that. What's the root of that? Until you finally say, you know what? The root of it is that I'm selfish. The root of it is that I'm full of pride. The root of it is that I'm gripped by fear. The the, the root of it is that I'm afraid of being rejected. The, the, The root of it is that I'm blind. And I need to see. I love the name of this conference because... 
Desperation is not a temporary state. For the follower of Jesus, desperation is a permanent place. That's where you live. You live in desperation. You live in a state of dependence upon God. Grace is not something you got when you were, came to faith and then you don't need it anymore. Grace is not something you graduate from. We are always in need. So, well, how do, I, man, I don't know. I don't like to. Come on. I mean, I was needy when I first came to Jesus. That's why I came to Jesus. But I'm good now. I'm good. It's the, it's the I'll take it from here gospel, right? Thanks, God. I'll take it from here. No. Revelation 3, Jesus says this. He says, write this to the angel of the church in Laodicea. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Okay, well. And so many times we stop there and we say, so guys, don't be lukewarm. That's true. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, after all, you say, I'm rich and I've grown wealthy and I don't need a thing. Glenn, this Bartimaeus talk, that's kind of cute. I could see that totally me five years ago. I'm not there. I'm rich and... I've grown wealthy and I don't need a thing. But you don't realize, Jesus says to this church, that you're miserable, you're pathetic, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. God bless you, you can all go now. <laughs> like, what? This isn't very incredible. What? Don't leave me here. My advice is that you buy gold from me that that has been purified by fire so that you may be rich in white clothing to wear so that your nakedness won't be shamefully exposed and ointment to put on your eyes so that you may see. He's talking to a church. He's talking to people who know Jesus. Could it be that no matter how mature and smart and wonderful and respected and loved and praised, and adored, and applauded, and all of those things, no matter how much of that you become, that without Jesus, we would still be blind and sitting on the side of the road. Could it be that we always need to acknowledge our need for him? Could it be that Jesus is not just what we needed back then, and Jesus is what we need today? Jesus is what we need tomorrow. Jesus is what we'll need the next day and the day after that and the day after that and the day after that. Why? Because we realize that deep down, I've got a blindness. I've got something at the root of me. And it's not just a habit or a temper or an issue or jealousy. It's not petty. It's much deeper than that. It's much more serious than that. I'm blind. And then you begin to say, all right, but if I'm blind, if I'm thirsty, if I'm broken, if I'm poor, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. 
Jesus in John's gospel on the cross, one of his last words is, I thirst. But earlier in John's gospel, Jesus had told the woman at the well, if you come to me, I'll give you living water. You'll never thirst again. Jesus knew that on the cross, he would take the thirst of the whole world upon himself so that the sovereign God says, I thirst. So that when we come to him and say, I thirst, he says, right, and I took your thirst so you can thirst no more. Be quenched. I took your blindness so you can see. I took your brokenness so you can be whole. I took your poverty so you can be lifted up. The end of this is not to say, yeah, yeah, I'm miserable, I'm Bartimaeus. The end of this is to say, I may be Bartimaeus, but Jesus is still Jesus. Jesus is still the Messiah. And so friends, when we call out, when we cry out, this is not because it's sort of a nice thing to do or it's optional or it's kind of like, you know, yeah, that's good. I mean, if you want to be really Christian, you could cry out, yeah. We cry out, I cry out, (laughs) because I still need him today. This isn't like, do you want fries with that Coke? You got heaven, do you also want desperation? (laughs) The whole of life, the whole of the following Jesus life is a life of saying, you are enough. You are are the Messiah. You are the one who broke the curse of death. You are the one who comforts the broken and the poor. You're the one that can go to the very root of what I need and heal it. Nothing else can. This afternoon as we begin to pray and worship, I think we ought to do just this. We ought to spend this moment here beginning to call on Jesus the Messiah. Jesus, the one who brings victory. Jesus, the one who overcomes. Jesus, the one who looks beyond our weakness down to our need. Our culture likes to talk about weaknesses. Jesus wants to know, let's go deeper. Where's the need? Where's the blindness? Because only I can heal it.